You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host... Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I am, of course, Alex, your host, and today we have a sort of public service episode with some corporate management mixed in. Today, I'm going to be sitting down with Seti Coscarella, who is the CEO of TAT Global. Now, TAT is a rather interesting company that makes a product that is hopefully going to take some market share from the big tobacco industry. Seti and I are going to talk about what it is his company does, as well as talk about some management decisions he made along the way to get his company off the ground. And with all that being said, let's go ahead and bring him on. Seti, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, I'm just glad to have you on here. It is amazing for me to have on the show another CEO, and it's it's really humbling. So I'm really glad you were able to take some time out of your day to come speak with me. No, it's my pleasure. So, Seti, I was wondering if we can start off by going a little bit into your background before you got involved with TAC Global. Sure thing. So, I originally started my career in capital markets. So, I used to work in uh, investment banking at TD Securities. Did a lot of sort of uh, stuff you would do in investment banking. So, companies looking to go public, (laughs) raise capital, merge, a lot of those different things. From there, I went to go work in private equity for a number of years. A lot of the focus was on green energy. So spent a few years working on that, then uh, had the entrepreneurial bug, uh, I guess, after watching <laughs> enough. Well, in, in Canada, it would have been called Dragons then, but in the U.S., Shark Tank. So after watching enough Shark Tank, I'm like, hey, I think I can do that. So I started, <laughs> uh, I started my own company in the live event space and ran that for about four years until we sold it. And from there, I went to go work at Philip Morris, where we were working on uh, a product called Icos which is a new category that tobacco companies are trying to build out called heat, not burn. So it exists somewhere between a tobacco cigarette and a vape. And I worked for a number of years there figuring out how to commercialize it predominantly in Canada. And then while there, I got introduced to TAT and I thought the concept and the idea were very, very intriguing. And after spending a few months talking to the group that was behind it, I said, you know what? I do think that this is something that has a viable shot. So I decided to leave Philip Morris and join TAT as uh, as CEO. So I started at TAT August of 2020. And at the time when I started, the company was still very nice. It was an idea, right? We were going to make a combustible hemp product, but we didn't want it to taste anything like hemp. We wanted to figure out how to get it to taste like a cigarette. And lo and behold, what, 14 months later, we're in about 10 states in the U.S., uh, we've signed distribution deals for the UK and Ireland, Australia. We're working on a number of different deals for the balance of Europe. I mean, we've come a very long way in a very short period of time. Absolutely. I was following the timeline of events on y'all's investor relations page, and it seems mm-hmm. like y'all are growing at quite a clip. We are running as fast as humanly possible, and then <laughs> maybe a few miles an hour faster. It's just just a couple, just a handful. Yeah. Everything yeah. we got and then some. Yeah. <laughs> 
So we haven't really gone too much into Tat, and it is a hemp cigarette that is essentially beyond cigarettes. Like how we have, you know, plant-based burgers that are supposed to replace burgers, all the sensation without, you know, all the harmful side effects. But same thing, but with cigarettes and hemp instead of tobacco. And I find that to be very interesting. Uh, would you mind expanding into just what Tat's place in the market is and who your target consumer is? Absolutely. So the product that we make includes hemp, but it's not exclusively hemp. Uh, we do use a proprietary blend of different plant materials so that we can create something that'll taste and behave identical to, if not better than, a tobacco-based cigarette. So while there are hemp cigarettes that currently exist, from a smoker's standpoint, if you were to try it, it's not going to taste like a tobacco cigarette. It's going to taste like you're smoking a joint, right? Which right. is fine. But if you're somebody who's used to smoking, say, Marlboro, and I give you something that tastes like a cannabis joint, that's not really the flavor profile you're looking for. I mean, the analogy I usually use is, let's suppose you want a pint of beer and I bring you a glass of wine and I shrug my shoulders and say, well, it's all alcohol. So what does it matter? Well, it kind of matters, right? I wanted a pint of beer. So similarly, when we went out and tried to create this product, we wanted to ensure that we could match the target consumer's flavor profile as closely as possible. And that's really what we've been able to achieve with TAT. And we've gone through extensive R&D and really engineered this product to behave just as a cigarette would behave. And I think when you do that, your chances of success are significantly higher. You know, when I take a look at the industry as a whole, even from working in at Philip Morris, I've worked with thousands of smokers. And when you work with them, you, you realize that the vast majority of them have tried vaping, okay? like upwards of 75, 80% of smokers have tried vaping. Yet, if you take a look at the nicotine consumption, the number of smokers still outweighs the number of vapors 20 to one. So if everybody tried vaping, why is everybody still smoking? So uh, just a quick clarification. So mm. the 20 to one, is that in the US or is that global? Uh, that's US, but you'll find similar stats globally. So wow. when you start taking a look at how vape performs, you typically see a big spike then it plateaus a little bit and oftentimes it just falls off a cliff. And you're starting to see that even in the U.S. now, like Juul was on fire and now it isn't. And that's, again, I think the, a part of that is the form factor. I think a part of that is the flavor profile. And I think for a lot of smokers, they prefer the delivery mechanism of a cigarette as opposed to a vape. And, you know, for us, when we were looking at trying to create the best alternative in the market, obviously we wanted to try to service the consumer in a format that they would readily accept as opposed to trying to get them to accept or adopt something they likely wouldn't stick with. And that's really what I've seen in the market. I think the vape category did a better job of recruiting people to the category over converting people already in the category. And that's one of the differences with TAT. I don't want to recruit people to the category. In fact, I'll tell people, if you don't smoke, don't start. And if you do smoke, you should probably quit. But if you can't quit, then try TAT because you've got a billion and a half smokers worldwide. There's plenty of market to go after. I don't need to find new market to chase, right? We're really here to try to help solve a problem. And the problem we're trying to solve is the highly addictive nature of smoking. Our product is not addictive because it doesn't have any nicotine and it doesn't have any tobacco. We instead satiate through CBD, which would naturally be present in hemp. Now, the CBD itself has a calming factor that smokers are otherwise looking for. So... A lot of smokers don't really understand how nicotine works. A lot of people don't really understand how nicotine works. So people think they go out for a cigarette and it calms them down. 
right? You're agitated, you're stressed, you've had a bad day, you just want a little bit of a break. You go out, you have a cigarette, and you calm down. Smoking does not calm you down. I'm telling you, it doesn't, okay? If you gave a cigarette to somebody who isn't addicted to nicotine, it's not going to calm them down. It might just make them nauseous. That's about it. It's because of how nicotine works. Nicotine only has a half-life of 45 minutes in the blood. So after about an hour, you start feeling like you're in withdrawal. You don't realize you're in withdrawal. You just feel anxious, antsy, unrelaxed, and you go out for a cigarette. It's because your body's in withdrawal. So it doesn't calm you down. It's because you're coming down off of the last cigarette and you need another hit. There you go. So a smoker walks around all day in perpetual withdrawal. In fact, if the tobacco industry were the alcohol industry, all the consumers would be alcoholics. But alcohol does just fine without relying on all of its consumers to be alcoholics. So one of the things that I kept getting when I was leaving tobacco is, well, how are you going to sell this product that's non-addictive? Which I thought was absurd. (laughs) Right? Like I said, alcohol doesn't need all of its consumers to be alcoholics in order to succeed. People have a choice. If I want a bourbon, I'm going to have a bourbon. I don't want to have a bourbon, I'm not going to have a bourbon. Right? And I think we can do the exact same thing on the smoking side where we can give people the power to choose back. And that's what TAT is. We can still give you the ability to feel relaxed, to feel calm, to get that sensation and satisfaction you would otherwise get from a cigarette without having to trigger the addiction response because we don't have nicotine and CBD isn't addictive. So when smokers are able to move over to TAT, they now, in my mind, are empowered to make the choice for themselves. You want to smoke, smoke. You don't want to smoke, don't smoke. No different than you want to drink, drink. You don't want to drink, don't drink. So what is the, I don't think you could say recommended use case, but because that's probably a medical thing, but it sounds like your target consumer is someone who's wanting to either quit or slow down on their cigarettes or how much they're smoking. So is there a suggested, I don't know, like way to do it? Like maybe 50-50, you smoke a real cigarette, then the next time you get that itch, you use tat or... Do you go cold turkey, use it with patches or the nicotine gum? Or what's the what's the pattern of use with it? I, I, I'm not entirely sure you, you need to kind of intermingle. Because whenever I have given this product to people who are smokers, they'll have a couple and say, wow, I actually just kind of like the way I feel. I feel calm, relaxed. Like This is the sensation I was otherwise going for from a cigarette. And I prefer this smoking experience to what a tobacco-based cigarette would otherwise give me. So for us, it's really targeting people who are otherwise smoking and giving them what is a better alternative compared to smoking cigarettes. That's what I think TAT really is and the place that it's going to hold in the market. I mean, the value propositions we're able to provide consumers, I think, are immense. One, there's the fact that it's non-addictive. So you now have the power to choose whether you want to smoke or not, not because you have a physiological dependency to it. Two, because we're not tobacco, We're not typically subject to the same tobacco taxes, if any at all, that cigarettes are are subject to. So we're able to pass those savings on to consumers. So not only can you get something that's not going to be addictive, yet still satisfying, you can also achieve it at a cheaper price point, which I think for any smoker is a welcome change. Because cigarette prices usually only go in one direction, but this time they're going (laughs) the other way. All righty. And you actually jumped a little bit ahead of something I wanted to ask you. So Tat naturally as something that is trying to get people sort of off of cigarettes or give them more freedom as far as smoking but without the nicotine. Mm -hmm. I think it's fair to say that you guys are disrupting the cigarette industry and big tobacco and even your former employer, Philip Morris. 
So a question I had on that disruption is, are you guys affected by the same excise taxes or the tax on, you know, the sin taxes? No, in many cases we won't be because the way that those regulations are typically written, they're written around a drug or they're written around a plant, i.e. nicotine or tobacco. The fact that ours doesn't contain either one doesn't trip any of those laws to come into effect. Therefore, we're able to offer this product to the market at a significant discount to what leading cigarette prices would otherwise be. On top of that, it also gives us the ability to engage in a lot of interesting marketing initiatives. Again, like you don't see the Marlboro Man rocking around anymore, do you? Oh, no. No, but we went and sponsored PBR. So I've always thought that a cowboy did pretty good selling cigarettes. So we sponsored a whole army of them. <laughs> and for the people who may not know, uh, would you mind going into what PBR is? Sure. PBR is a professional bull riding league. Uh, so they run a number of events throughout the country over the course of the year. They've got a number of fabulous riders from all over the world. It's a tremendous spectacle, draws tons of fans. They have a highly engaged audience that tends to over-index on smoking. So when we were chatting with them, we thought that this was a natural fit. And we established a three-year deal with them uh, earlier this year. So that was our first sort of sponsorship. And I think we're going to look to to build on on the success of that. But again, that just demonstrates the things that we as a company can do that big tobacco can't because you don't really see Marlboro sponsoring anything. I mean, they sponsor Formula One. Okay, so they sponsor Ferrari. You'll never see a logo on a Ferrari car. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, Yet they, I mean, they'll, they'll still sponsor them, but that's the, the extent of their sponsorship. They can pay a lot of money and get no real recognition for it. <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, I guess in my head, I'm trying to figure out, is it a tease or is it petty or is it just a ha-ha on them that you took the Marlboro man and decided that, oh, you know what, for the first big sponsorship we're going to do, it's going to be Cowboys. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out what the definition, like, is that petty or is that just a punch in the face? Is a ha-ha? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, look, I, I think it's paying homage to uh, an industry icon that did extraordinarily well for the category. How's that? <laughs> I think that's a very corporate definition and not pick a fight with potentially bigger companies. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, we're, we're paying homage uh, with our advertising, which is actively trying to take their, uh, their market share. Well, and listen, I think that in general, the sport was something that would index well with the demographic of consumers we're going after. Because, again, we want this product to be purchased by people who are currently smoking. I really don't want somebody who isn't a smoker to buy this product. And you're probably not going to hear a lot of CPG companies come on and say, I don't want people to buy my product. But I'm telling you, if you're not a smoker, do not buy my product. Well, there you go, guys. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> you both found out about it and was discouraged to not use it here on this podcast. Unless you're a smoker, then you should absolutely Unless try. you're a smoker. And again, <laughs> I mean, I think it sort of falls from you know, some of the trouble that, that Juul in the vaping industry fell into, Right. I mean, they initially mm -hmm. positioned themselves as a product that could help smokers. And then they go out and make flavors like cotton candy and creme brulee and, and uh, fruit loops, fruit loops and all these things. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, the guy, the person who's smoking Marlboro is definitely looking for fruit loop flavored vape. Right? <laughs> and then and then they would run advertising on Nickelodeon and they would go into junior high schools and run lunch and learn sessions on, hey, you shouldn't smoke. But if you're going to try something, then, you know, why don't you try this thing instead? Yeah, just start you recruited easy. a bunch of youth to the category and you did it, you know, overtly. It was 
not a smart move and they're paying the price for it now. So again, I like to learn from the things that other people do well and also from things that maybe didn't go so well. And I, I don't think that's something that went terribly well. And I'd rather not make the same mistake, right? Our product is designed for people who are smokers. Okay. So let me ask you this. It, it sounds like a lot of your potential market is going to be in that category of wanting to either step down their smoking or quit entirely. Mm -hmm. So I know, well, actually, let me go ahead and ask this question first. Do y'all have any research or any kind of uh, studies that have been conducted on the effects of hemp cigarettes in the effort of quitting smoking? Well, there has been a study out of the UK that ran CBD against the placebo as something that would satiate smokers. And, mm -hmm. it, and it showed that it did. And that's really what ultimately you're looking for. Can I give you the same satisfaction that you would otherwise get from a cigarette or better? And I think this is better. Then I think smokers are able to put the consumption into their own hands. And if you want, again, you want to smoke, smoke. You don't want to smoke, don't smoke. And I know, you know, oftentimes this question will then sort of lead to, well, if consumption isn't going to be as high, you know, what's going to happen? There's a billion and a half smokers. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. If Philip Morris is at the top of the mountain and we're at the bottom of the mountain, if you met somewhere in the middle, I think I'd be OK. <laughs> Especially with how frequently the product needs to be purchased. Well, exactly. I mean, when you take a look at the market as a whole, it's almost a trillion dollars a year globally. Like mm -hmm. it is the Mount Everest of markets. Like to put it in context, if you look at bottled water, bottled water is two hundred and fifty billion dollars a year. Tobacco is four times as big as water. Now, we're just getting started. So there's an enormous sort of runway ahead of us. And if smokers can use this product to change their consumption patterns, to feel better about themselves, to achieve any sort of desired effect that they otherwise want, so be it, right? Absolutely. I mean, I always kind of look at it this way. Like, we're not going after massive market share. I mean, the market is so big that it's not even required. Like, we typically try to target half of 1% which is one out of 200 smokers, right? There's almost 40 million smokers in America. If we got half of 1%, that's 200,000 smokers. And right? if those 200,000 are buying a pack a week. Yeah. So 200,000 smokers, if you convert 200,000 smokers in a pool of 40 million, there's still 40 million smokers to go after. Absolutely. And at so, what, five, six, seven dollars a pack? Yeah. So I think that the, the, the economics of the business are such that the numbers always work in your favor. Yeah, and that's something a lot of people don't get. You can you can be number 10. You don't have to be number one. And I mean, there's still money to be made, even in what some would classify as a dying industry. Uh, that well, is sure. tobacco. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. There's a brand of cigarettes in the U.S. called Eagle 20s. Not terribly well-known. Mid-tier brand. Not as expensive as Marlboro. Not the cheapest one on the market either. No, just kind of somewhere in the middle. Eagle 20 sells $750 million worth of cigarettes in the U.S. alone every year. You ever see an ad for Eagle 20s? No, I've never even heard of it. Right. So that's what I mean. Like you can be way down the line in terms of market share and still be doing extraordinarily well. And that's just in one market. We're looking at, you know, global. So let me ask you a weird question here. We've talked about visibility with cigarettes and that you don't need to really advertise. I mean, you guys are, but y'all are a new product, new type of category. But the sort of establishment of big tobacco doesn't really need to advertise and their stuff is everywhere. You go up to basically any gas station and their stuff is right there behind the yep. screen or behind yep. the counter. 
because you guys are not tobacco and because you guys don't have those excise taxes, you don't have really the huge amount of government regulation, are y'all cigarettes right next to the Marlboro or are y'all somewhere else or in the stores where you are listed? Are y'all right there with the cigarettes or would y'all be in a totally different section? No, we always want to be near the the point of sale. So whether it's in the same shelves as tobacco or oftentimes we'll set up a counter display unit. So, you know, if you walk into a convenience store, you'll see like the five hour energy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll try to be in a counter display unit next to the five hour energy. And if it's not there, then it'll be on the same shelf uh, as where the cigarettes are with a sign that says tap beyond tobacco. Gotcha. And then what are y'all doing? Because y'all aren't necessarily tobacco, what is your sort of customer education? Like, what are y'all doing for getting the word out there? Not only that, hey, my product exists, but hey, here's how you can use it to your benefit. So obviously we run digital marketing campaigns that at least help introduce people to the brand. There's a lot of great information uh, on our website, which is trytat.com. And if you are a smoker and you do want to try the product, you can go to trytat.com register and we'll send you a pack for free. So for anybody who in your audience who is a smoker that wants to try it, that's the easiest way to get your hands on one. And then we'll also run uh, education campaigns, whether it's in store uh, where people go to buy their packs of cigarettes or in places where people would otherwise be smoking, bars, restaurants, nightclubs, and whatnot. We're starting to engage with uh, agencies to help us on those particular campaigns because really it is an exercise in putting pack in hand. You want people who are a smoker to physically have a pack in their hand so that they can try it. And I think when that happens, the product will speak for itself. They'll either feel a particular way, they'll love the taste, they'll enjoy how the pack looks. In any event, to hit that 0.5 share that I mentioned earlier, I need one out of those 200 people to like it. So 199 could hate it, one of them loves it, and you're doing incredibly well. Well, hot diggity. So I believe we've talked about your product plenty. It sounds good. I'm not a smoker, so I can't really give too big of an opinion on it. But at least from a product's perspective, a marketing perspective, I find your product very interesting. Now, I think we've covered a lot of that, and that's why I wanted you on the show, because I think it's it's very curious, because I have a lot of family that smokes, and I think that's... I find it a very interesting and innovative product. But anyway... I want to talk a little bit more about the financing side of it or the high-level corporate finance kind of nerdy stuff that I like to talk about. Sure. So a weird question I have for you is I know you guys, because it's listed on your website, you applied to be on the NASDAQ or to be listed on the NASDAQ or one of the American stock exchanges for the two people in my audience who maybe didn't know that on April of this year. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm curious, for for what I understand, on y'all's website, TAT is exclusively, at the moment, sold to U.S. consumers. So I'm curious as to, for an American product, why are y'all publicly listed on the Canadian and Frankfurt stock exchanges before going to the U.S.? Well, we are listed in the U.S. on the OTCQX. So right. uh, the ticker there is T-O-B-A-F. Uh, the parent company was initially conceived in Canada, so it was a, originally a Canadian uh, company that purchased TAT. And then from there, we started to commercialize the business in the U.S. Because we looked at a bunch of different markets and the U.S. seemed to be the one that would be the most amenable to getting this product out. So that's why we started commercializing in the U.S. Now, in terms of the, the NASDAQ application, yep, we submitted that. We basically go back and forth on a number of different questions. They want to better understand the nature of the business how it works, what the long-term prospects are, and really just sort of vet it from their own due diligence standpoint. Because you can imagine 
how many companies apply to get uplisted to the NASDAQ. <laughs> Probably especially, quite a few. Especially in this day and age. So hats off to them for doing the appropriate due diligence so that they can put companies on there that best represent what the NASDAQ stands for. We're currently in that process now, and hopefully we'll have some, some updates on it soon. And as soon as we do, then obviously we communicate that to, uh, to our shareholders in the market as a whole. All righty. And I was wondering if you could expand a little bit upon that process. So you have Tat, this successful company, you're going after half a percent of market share, and you're established in Canada, publicly traded, established in Germany, publicly traded, and now we're going to the U.S. Mm -hmm. What is the process of getting listed on the NASDAQ? Just high level. I imagine it can get very technical, but for people in my audience that are curious, what would be roughly private company goes public? Well, we were already a public company. So again, like we traded on the OTC and, and really what you're looking to do is upgrade from the OTC to the NASDAQ. Now, in order to do that, first you file an application and then they vet the application and then it really just becomes an exercise in back and forth. So we'd like to be listed on the NASDAQ. Okay, great. Thank you for your application. Tell us more about your company. So then you submit a whole package on what the company is, the corporate structure, all these sorts of things. And then they take time to kind of go through that. They'll go through all that due diligence, check all your public filings. Then they'll come back and say, okay, we need a bit more clarification on A, B, C, D, E, all the way through Z. Okay. So then you write all the answers to that. You send it to them. They'll vet through that. Okay. Can you provide some more color on this or this or this? Okay. And it's just really a back and forth. I mean, you got to imagine. I mean, I almost feel bad for them on their end. I mean, they're they're, uh, understaffed and overworked. So. really just an exercise in, in, in patience sometimes and kind of going through that process, but it is what it is. So that's basically the, the, the process. Now it gets a bit more detailed and complicated than that. I mean, you have to involve a lot of lawyers and bankers, consultants, and all these sorts of things to make sure that everything is appropriately tied and up to speed for, for what they're looking for in, in the companies that they want to list on their exchange. Because different exchanges will have some different rules, right? So you just want to make sure that you hit the rules that abide by the exchange. All righty, Sadie. So I think with that, we can go ahead and go towards the conclusion of the show. So with that, if my audience wants to learn more about you, more about Tech Global, where can they find out more about you and where could they potentially get in communication with you? Sure. So they could follow us on uh, on social. So you could follow us at Tat Global or you can go to tatglobal.com. Uh, if you want to learn more about the company, if you want to learn more about the product, you can follow us at TriTat, T-A-A-T, or you can go to TriTat.com and you can learn all you can about the product. And if you are a smoker and you want to try it, that's the best place to go. Register and we'll send you a free pack. All righty. So, Seti, my next question here is the last question I typically ask and I don't prepare any of my guests for it. Okay. So, if you had a single mic drop statement that you would like to leave my audience with today... What would that be? I think I'll say this. Like I mentioned before, the market we're going after is about the size of Mount Everest. And from where we are in our history, we're just getting to base camp. Now, we've got a huge runway ahead of us. And I think we're at the point now where if this is a plane, the wheels are definitely up. So take that for what it's worth. Hope you learn more about the company. And if you are a smoker, I sincerely hope you try tap. All righty. Now, This episode is dedicated to everyone out there who is a smoker, who wants to stop, or who maybe has had trouble stopping. I know I have had friends and family members who have gotten that addiction to nicotine who want to stop. So if you're looking for a solution, maybe the patches or the gum doesn't work, 
Well, here's another solution for you. Make sure you go to that website. It was tritat.com and they'll send you a free pack. I hope sincerely that it works for you. Seti, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. It was a ton of fun. <laughs> thank you, sir. Same here. And for all of you at home, you have all kinds of links in the description below. Everywhere that Seti mentioned, you can get in contact with him or the company will be listed in the description below. I hope you all have a great week. And I will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring. So if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.